Welcome to the Xterra Podcast. I'm Tom Patton. The Xterra mission is to explore and discuss the business of space and its effect on the national and global economy as well as life on Earth. How does what happens in space affect your life every day? That's what we're exploring on the Xterra website as well as on this podcast. My guest for this edition of the Xterra podcast is Ben Haldeman, founder and CEO of LifeShip, which is planning to preserve and send human DNA to the moon. And Ben, thank you for joining me today all the way from Guatemala. It looks like it's lovely there today. It is. Great to be here, Tom. Yep. Let's start out by talking a little bit about about your background, because as a graduate student at Berkeley, you designed instruments that to look into life on Mars. And those were some of the precursor instruments to the Perseverance instrumentation that's currently on Mars. What was involved in that project? Yeah, I, I did my grad school at Berkeley. I studied mechanical engineering and I was uh, in, a, in a chemistry and biochemistry lab. And we were looking at amino acids and microfluidics and laser spectroscopy to look for amino acids in the soil of Mars. So I built uh, benchtop prototype instruments to to classify which amino acids. And this was, yeah, 15 years ago. It was a project with JPL and it was a precursor to what's up there now. And that was all just part of your of your graduate studies? It was a university thing? That was UC Berkeley. That was my master's and part of a PhD thesis. And then I left my, my PhD early to go build big telescopes around the world. And let's I talk that about that a little bit, because you did start designing big telescopes and optical instrumentation. So delve into that for us a little bit. Yeah, I joined, joined a team out of Santa Barbara called Las Cumbres Observatory. And mm -hmm. set up as a nonprofit, but a well-funded one uh, to set up a global network of of telescopes to find new planets around other solar systems and study transient events in uh, astrophysical events. Like when a new supernova pops up, we had enough telescopes around the world to automatically follow up on it and take images of it. Uh, yeah, so we got to travel the world to big mountaintops and design, design telescopes, design instruments for them and set them up and get them working and uh, they've been used to find lots of new planets. What led, Ben, to your interest in space and aerospace and th that kind of technology? Yeah, I, I grew up fascinated with space. I, I had a nickname as Spaceman as a, as a kid <laughs> when I was in Boy Scouts. And uh, yeah, generally, generally just came into my path more and more. And then, and then started to be what I worked on and grabbed my attention. I think, I think it, it uh, space is a way to bring out the best in humanity, to bring, bring forward uh, hope and aspirations for the future of our species and, and our planet. And uh, yeah, and it's great, great technical challenges as well. And, and so it really captivated me uh, for mul multiple reasons. I think, my interest in it came when I was an 11 year old kid at summer camp and was fortunate enough to get to watch Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin walk on the moon at summer camp. That was that, that kind of cemented it for me. <laughs> you, can, you can see how that might be. 
Now, when you went to Planet, that's an Earth Observation company. Uh, Earth Observation is getting to be a big business these days. How did that experience influence your, your path? Yeah, I was one of the, the early engineers to join Planet. And we, we grew up to 500 people in the five years I was there. Uh, we launched over 200 satellites while I was there. And I, I designed the camera system and then went on to, to coordinating the rockets it went up to. And Earth observation with satellites really... I think it really, really helped show me and teach me how much space can be used to help Earth as, as well. And I, re I really brought that framework to, okay, we're using space, but it's here to record the whole Earth every day and, and take better care of our planet and be, be responsible citizens of our, of our Earth. So the thing about Earth observation is most people, when they think about space, they think about looking out. But Earth observation is all about sending something out and looking back. And that's, I don't think what, I don't think that a lot of people understand that that is really an enormous part of what the space economy is because there's so much that we can learn observing from that distance, particularly at the, the kind of resolution that we're getting these days. Yeah, it's, it's been used like the overview effect uh, is is humanity looking back on Earth. It's astronauts looking back at the whole Earth and and seeing the Earth as one one entity. And uh, yeah, it's, it's and, and in it's fact, been powerful for the for the environmental mu mu movement and for all sorts of good comes from using space to help humanity. What were some of the some of the interesting developments that came up while you were working at Planet. What what was it that that you were able to? What kind of data were you able to provide that hadn't been provided before? Yeah, with it with a daily image of the whole Earth, you can see where every tree disappears every single day. You you can see where ships are fishing. You can see where uh, mining is happening or oil is happening. Uh, it really is. It's, it's really a record of, of our planet and you can't really, you can't fix something and, and change something and really take care of something until, until, you, until you have a good view of it. You know, it's been said that we went to space and discovered the earth, which actually is very true. We didn't realize kind of what kind of a fragile blue marble we live on until it got seen from, from a long way away and how kind of small it significant this planet really is. Now, you talk about yourself as being a, a, an athlete, a yoga teacher, and an adventurer. So how did those kinds of experiences and interests influence you to found LifeShip? Yeah. Yeah. I, so I used to be a professional cyclist. I used to climb big, big mountains and sleep on the side of El Capitan in Yosemite and climb big rock walls and, and really... I think honed both a sense of exploration and adventure and then also living on my edge and uh, becoming comfortable sleeping on the side of a cliff and <laughs> comfortable leaning into uh, leaning into life and and going after big visions and big goals and um, and then over time as I as I got more into spending time in the rainforest and spending time uh, 
in meditation and yoga and uh, working with shamans, I, I felt like my purpose really started to come through as as helping care for the earth in the long term and, and leaving a long, long record of the incredible biodiversity we have on, on planet earth. And then also helping our earth expand outwards. And, and what, what came through a lot of that work is really the, that humanity, part of our purpose here in the universe is to help, uh, help, help make sure life exists beyond earth. And uh, I'm, I'm actually here in Guatemala right now. I'm working from here right now. And I was here two and a half years ago and I did this long, long hike back in the rainforest by myself and was sitting surrounded by plants and insects and, and, and all the life. And, and I really had this, I, I, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a similar feeling to the overview effect. I had a feeling of all of life on earth has cooperated to, to help humanity spread life outwards. And, and really we're at this point where life has evolved here for four and a half billion years. And now we're at a point where the earth essentially is, is starting to birth life outwards. And so I started to see humanity as stewards for this and part of a bigger, yeah, part of a bigger role for the planet and, and in the universe as far as ensuring life continues to exist. We could talk about cycling another time. I did 22 miles just before this broadcast. <laughs> It's just how I keep myself young and fit That's at, at, at my kind of getting on towards advanced age. Let's talk a little bit about some of the business factors that have gone into establishing your current company. What what kind of a company is LifeShip? Yeah, so LifeShip is one of the first real consumer uh consumer companies for space where people can directly participate in, in a space mission. And so we've created a, a consumer DNA kit that's low cost and, and really accessible for, for a broad market for people to add their DNA and their story to this record of humanity that gets sent out into space. And so we're on a first mission to the moon later this year and we're sending a a tiny time capsule essentially with with DNA and and people's people's profiles up to the moon and uh, looking to just to broadly connect people to to space and to uh, to feel a part of humanity's future. What was your light bulb moment on this project? What made you think I want to send people's DNA into space? Yeah, I I think the biggest one was what I just mentioned as far as the being in the rainforest here and, right. and re really feeling like part of, part of our role is to send the seeds of life outwards. And, uh, and then also when I was working, working on satellites at, at planet, I, uh, we, we launched hundreds of satellites into space and, and I remember the first one I worked on and I had, I literally put my blood, sweat, and tears and sleepless <laughs> nights into this satellite that went to space. And then it launched on a rocket. I watched the rocket launch and then and then the satellite was in orbit. And and I had this feeling of like, whoa, I literally touched that. My my DNA is is on that that spacecraft that's now orbiting Earth. And uh, that that was a powerful experience for me, having having touched something that that went into space. So go take us through the process about how 
collecting the DNA samples work, how you preserve it, and then how you intend to actually launch it? Will you actually be launching physical specimens? Will you be launching uh, data that is encoded with DNA? What, what is kind of the plan for, for making this uh, a reality? Yeah, yeah. So there's a number of consumer genomics companies out there like 23andMe and Ancestry.com that really paved the way for curiosity for people in their in their genetic code. Mm -hmm. And so we have a we have a small kit for around $100 where you, you get the kit and you provide a saliva sample with a swab. And then your DNA, your actual DNA gets extracted out of your cells. Uh, and then we preserve your DNA in, in this polymer that mm -hmm. we call synthetic amber. And that goes inside a small coin sized capsule along with DNA from all different species and, and all different humans. And that shares a moon lander uh, with, with a number of other missions, including a bunch of NASA missions. And there's rovers on the, on the moon lander and that launches on a rocket uh we'll we'll have a live watch party for that and an event around the rocket launch and then customers will get to track the spacecraft as it as it slings to the moon and then the the moon lander lands on the moon and there's live video on that as well and then the capsule just stays on the lander on the on the moon surface forever essentially how many DNA samples do you have room to send? What Do you have an upper limit as to the number of, of samples that you can include in this mission? We're, so DNA is pretty tiny and we're working mm -hmm. on miniaturizing our, our storage technologies. Uh, the first mission later this year, we've already sent the capsule off to the lander and that has uh, over a thousand people on it. And then and then we're on another, another moon lander in, in about a year and a half from now and we're working on getting on more and that we'll have yeah we can we can fit thousands of people on it mm -hmm. you're listening to the xterra podcast i'm tom Patton, and we're talking with ben haldeman the founder of lifeship uh, ben who's your target market and how are you recruiting those people yeah yeah our <laughs> what i love about our mission it, it really it really has spoken to a broad audience. And there's mm -hmm. people that come in from, uh, like us, from, from a, a space background and people who love, uh, love space, love, love humanity's uh, outward motion into space, love the, love the direction that we're headed, uh, wanna be part of the future in some way. So there, there's that sort of audience. And then there's a lot of people that uh, space really speaks to in a in a more emotional way and in a meaningful way of being part of the, part of the cosmos and so there's a lot of people that do this as a family or mm -hmm. send their pet DNA and their 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 DNA up on it and so really both the sentimental oh I look up at the moon and I feel a piece of me is up there and I'm I'm a part of the cosmos in a new way uh, to like the 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 total science technology. Uh, people coming at it from that direction. Now, you said something interesting that you're not just sending human DNA, that you're including samples from almost the entire biome of the earth. Is that is that the impression that I'm getting? Is that you're, you're doing plants and animals and, and all manner of things to put all that on the moon? Correct. Yeah, this, this first one, we have 450 
different species on it, mostly okay. plant species to start. And the big vision is to save a record of, of the earth and, and collect, uh, yeah. I, I, we know of about a million and a half species on earth. We think there's, we think there's about eight and a half million species total. So there's, there's a lot of species there. And, and over time, as we send a series of these out there, we'll continue to collect more and, and really make it a record of Earth. Do you have a, a difficult time convincing people that that's important? Some people just get it. <laughs> many, many people get it. It's, uh -huh. it's like, oh, of, of course, we're, we're not going to just ride out our time on Earth here and, uh, and that and that humanity has a bigger a bigger purpose or maybe fate or whatever to 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 be in interstellar species and and to uh to continue the story of life outwards and so yeah some people get it some people some people definitely don't get it and don't don't uh, see the see the value in space for humanity it almost sounds like like a premise for a science fiction novel where they have to go back and, and collect the capsule off the moon to recreate the Earth or some such thing out of the stored DNA. I can I'm getting a plot line in my head <laughs> for, for sure, and that plot line exists in in several sci-fi stories and books and movies, and um, and the the spin we're we're doing on this and and the real vision here is that. Yes, it could be a backup and, and it makes sense to save a record of where we are today. Though, like the real vision is that we're celebrating humanity coming into relationship as stewards of the earth and, and we're helping earth uh, expand outwards. So really doing as an inspirational mission of, of humanity, helping, helping the earth and doing something bigger in the universe. Now, let's talk a little bit more about the business aspects of this, because you're a graduate of the Fulcrum Venture Accelerator. How was that experience, and would you recommend that to other entrepreneurs? That, that was, it was a great program. It, it, it taught me, uh, yeah, it really, really helped, helped align the company and myself towards growing this as a business. Uh, both a commercial company, uh, a company that investors are interested in, and we've, we've raised some money already. And um, yeah, re really, really helped me see it as, as a bigger commercial, commercial company. Did you ever really envision yourself as an entrepreneur when you were working on things like the, the Mars, um, the Mars projects and the telescope project. Did you ever think, you know, I really want to do something on my own or it is, are you, as some people have said, an involuntary entrepreneur? Yeah. I, so I was at planet for five years and that's mm -hmm. one of the, the real success stories of agile aerospace and doing space in a new way and, and build, building a, a rapid, rapid growth company in space. And through that, I saw myself, uh, doing something in the future and, and starting something. And, and really it had to, uh, I, I wasn't trying to force it and mm -hmm. I, it needed to really come authentically through as, okay, this is, this is something that needs, needs to be done. And I'm, I'm the person to do it. And this is, uh, and so I took, took a good six months of exploration and uh, after 
after working at Planet and really, really spent spent a lot of time both. I wouldn't even necessarily say actively searching for what was coming next. Mm -hmm. It was more, it was more like letting what 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 wanted to come through come, and uh, and the vision started to, yeah, started to appear as far as help helping helping Earth and helping spread life outwards. But it but it's still a business, and so who's on your business team? And I'm not saying that you're not a, a competent business person because I'm sure that you are, but not all of us have the kind of experience we need to actually run a company. So do you have a team that's behind you that is that takes care of, you know, dotting the I's and crossing the T's and, and doing all of those things that make for a successful business? We we do. An incredible team has come come together around this. We have about 10 people working on it now. And uh previous founders of e-commerce e companies mm -hmm. um, and then uh, creative direction brand and identity uh, people people working on community and and how we grow this as a as a meaningful endeavor for humanity and and a meaningful business endeavor as well uh, and then we have a few investors that have come together around it as well that really really bring a lot of uh, a lot, a lot of business help. When you talk to investors, and again, I'll, I'll kind of come back to convincing them that this is important and a worthwhile uh, company to invest in, because investors want to see a return uh, on what it is that they're investing. Uh, kind of give me your pitch when you talk to somebody who you want them to give you money. Yeah, we. So we see. We see a future where it just makes sense to be part of the human record. Mm -hmm. Like it, 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 it's it's like common knowledge that okay, you don't live your life without adding yourself to the to the record of of humanity, and that space is a big part of that because it's the record that gets sent outward and, and saved. But it's really also just the concept of okay, you might know your great grandparents names but no mm -hmm. one before that S similarly in the future we think that uh people will be added to a permanent record or or a forever record and their dna will be part of that because we're continuing to learn more about dna and the vast majority of evolution and the tree of life here on earth has just disappeared without a trace and so um yeah we think each person will want to be part of this this record and so we envision a, a a rapid growth towards millions of people being being part of this record now you mentioned a little earlier companies like 23andme and there's ancestry.com and those companies are are taking dna and examining people's genetic past but it it occurs to me that lifeship.com is in essence taking dna from humans and sending it into the future is that kind of a fair assessment? Yeah, it is. Like a, a lot of the business and models around DNA so far have been either your ancestors in your past or what do I learn about my health now? And uh, we, we see this being the future side of, okay, it makes sense to, to preserve, your, preserve yourself for the future.
You've already sold, I think, about 2,000 kits. You said you've got 1,000 on the first um, the first capsule that's getting ready, to the first lander that's getting ready to go to the moon. So you seem to be getting some some good traction. Talk a little bit about your expansion plans, and will you be seeking additional investor financing for that growth? Yeah. Yeah, we've, we, we've sold these initial couple thousand kits, all with limited ad testing on, on social media. Um, and we're, we're really getting the point of uh, launching our new brand, getting it out there in, in, a, in a bigger way, and then really opening up new marketing and sales channels and uh, working on getting the story out there more. Um, as far as investors, we are, we are raising a bit more capital soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, to really, really help throw some gas on on getting the marketing out there and getting the story out and being on future ones. And uh, if anyone's interested in talking about that, I'm <laughs> Ben at LifeShip.com. And we, we have some incredible investors on the team already. And we will have that information for folks um, on our on our website in association with this podcast. So hopefully we'll be able to get some some folks looking at you a little bit more. Um, seems to me it would be like a great gift idea. <laughs> it is. Yeah. And uh, th- this this was like a, it, it felt a little strange when I first realized this, but in some ways, our initial customers, some of them come from like the name a star market where, mm-hmm. where they just want to be, want to be part of space. And so what we're doing is, is doing that in a meaningful way where it's, where it's actually a, a real mission that they're part of and, and something, uh, something that could be me- meaningful for our species in the future. Oh, I, I know that, that my wife and I both have our names on whatever that was that NASA sent up a while back. And I think, I think it went to Mars or some such place, but our names are up there. So, that's, yep. so yeah, was, I think we're your target market, Ben. That's, let's close with this. Look out kind of over the next 10 to 15 years and tell us what you see ahead, not only for your company, but for space commerce in general. It's a, it's a huge market. There's so many different aspects and something like LifeShip is very much a niche and yet it's all part of the space economy. So tell us where you see the space economy and space commerce in the next 10 to 15 years. Yeah. Right now is an incredible, <laughs> incredibly exciting time for space. Uh, it really, the frontier is opening up and we have, we have, many rockets and many, many commercial moon landers and uh, we'll, we'll really reach a tipping point in the, in the near term, maybe when Starship happens or um, it, there will just start to be regular delivery to the moon and humanity will start becoming multi-planetary. We'll, we'll, we'll start opening up Mars as well and there'll be a, there'll be a moon base in the next however many years, 10, 15 years. And, and yeah, I think, I think humans will start permanently living on the moon in the, in the, in the next decade or so. And as that happens, I, I think all sorts of new, uh, r- really like the whole industry around everything needed for space and humans living in space. And, and uh, this whole more people will want a way to connect into space, whether that's space tourism or uh, or other applications such as LifeShip, where where people can be part of this exciting time for humanity. 
Is that kind of the same for for investors as well? Because there are a lot of investors who are getting onto almost anything space related. Um, do you see that that investment community is going to continue to be aggressive on space commerce? I do. I I see. I see it becoming. Yeah, be, be, becoming a, a a much more accepted industry is being built and a, 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 a much greater, yeah, much greater draw into it. Many more investors seeing that, okay, this is all happening. It's all coming together. We, we don't know exactly how humans are going to be living on the moon or, or Mars, but there's, there's a lot of companies that are needed to fill out all the different uh, utilities and, and all the different things humans will meet, will need as they, as they, start to live in space. And, and so I see tremendous new interest coming into it and, and people seeing it as, okay, this is something happen happening. It's no longer this far out future bet that, uh, that, mm -hmm. that they're trying to help enable. It's like, okay, it's, this is all happening and, and more and more people are getting involved. And whether it happens in 10 years or 50 years, it is inevitable. For sure. Ben, thank you so much. I appreciate it. It's been an interesting conversation. And that's uh, lifeship.com. If folks want to find out more about your current project and how they can have their DNA preserved and, and sent to the moon. Thank you, Tom. This was wonderful being on here with you. Uh, yes, to the magic of Zoom from uh, from lovely Guatemala. Thank you, Ben. That is going to do it for this edition of the Xterra podcast. You can find us on the web at xterrajsc.com. And be sure to connect with us on LinkedIn and follow us on Twitter at XteraJSC. Until next time, I'm Tom Patton. Thanks for listening.